Maddie and I are a couple of beers in. Just a, yeah, we I have a few so. already. Some, uh, shoots, I was that slow. Fresh haze that IPA slow getting on. and some okay. arrogant bastard stone. I'm, I'm rocking my uh, my stone brewing cap that I got <laughs> when I visited the okay. brewery. Couple of, couple well, I'm sure it makes the beer <laughs> taste that much better. It absolutely so you guys are not, not starting with anything uh, low in alcohol. I like that. You're just you're going oh, great. for it. We didn't even look. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Leave it to the Cicero. I will say you guys are incredibly, <laughs> incredibly good looking now that you're drinking Fantastic. high alcohol beer. And how you been, Larry? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm in the middle of an audit, mm-hmm. which Great. is Ooh. driving me a little insane. <laughs> that sounds bad. And I'm Who's auditing you? The I the Internal Revenue Service. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to go into it. Uh, I don't want to go into it. Uh, Rich. It's no fun. I almost forgot your name. I almost called you Maddie. No. Um. No, it's just been. It's just. I mean, you know, we're on up and up. We just. It's been time consuming. You know, mm-hmm. just tracking everything oh, sure. down and, and all that good stuff. But other than that, man, just, you know, same old, same old Maddie, man. I'm trying to, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a, I like to say a lightweight sneakerhead, like lightweight <laughs> and kind of very early. So, you know, these off-white fives just dropped this um, this last week. And I really did you get a, no, a lottery position for them? Well, I did. I was in a bunch of draws and all that. Tried. But I, I tried. Huh? I tried. You too. tried? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Got well, the L. Yeah. Well, I had like four or five people trying. And I still didn't get them. But, <laughs> but you want them. You want them. You yeah, want them but bad. I, but, I, but I have some, uh, I, you know, I've been lucky before. So I'm just trying to decide if I want to flip some shoes I have to get them. I will say you say you're lightweight. I'd say maybe you're early, but you have you have a lot of shoes. And whenever I, I talk to you, you've bought like three pairs of shoes and you're like flipping yeah. them. You have shoes that lace themselves? I do. The, Mar- the Marty McFly? <laughs> You're lightweight, like the way Imelda Marcos. Well, I just yes. know some cats who are really, really serious about it. Like, I got a homie that every time I think I'm doing something, he'll bust out something like, yeah, 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 you wearing the wrong pants with that. Yeah, yeah, you got to get, <laughs> get your socks right. So I like, you know, I'm just, you know, just kind of lightweight. It's like when a master sister tells you you're eating the wrong food with that beer. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. It's just embarrassing. That's it's exactly, embarrassing, man. That's exactly, that's exactly what it's like. That's exactly what it's like, Rich. Well, I'm going to get things started, guys. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Liquid Bread. Welcome to Liquid Bread. Welcome you're listening, to Liquid Bread. You're listening to Liquid Bread. This is Liquid Bread. We're drinking Liquid Bread. I'm Matty Smith. Um, with me is my buddy uh, Larry, Larry Bates. Bates. Larry Bates, and um, also with us is uh, the king of beers, Rich Higgins. Uh, Rich, you're hot off hot off SF Beer Week. We gotta we gotta call That's you right. Budweiser. Isn't Budweiser the king of beers? Hey. Oh, well, not anymore. No, no, Wasn't that their slogan? Not anymore. Uh, oh, no, there okay. Rich Higgins. Rich took it. You heard you heard it here first. The beer king. Lovely. How you doing, Rich? I'm stoked. I'm excellent. I'm uh, yeah, back home now. I'm drinking uh, some familiar beers after uh, an awesome trip for a couple weeks uh, down to San Francisco and over to Dallas. Uh, had a whole bunch of good beers. Met a whole bunch of good people. Ran a bunch of classes. If there's and- one one hot beer. Oh. One hot beer you discovered while you're in San Francisco. You mean hot like not like, not drunk like, hot, not like, like no hot warm, as in like not like hot as in like warm, trendy or cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. not not hot <laughs> high temperature. What is it? Was there anything like you think people should look out for? You think is going to be big? Any brewery or specific beer? And you can't say uh, Anchor Steam. No. We had that last week. Yeah, you know, there. I was stoked to see a lot more lagers. You know, that's a real, real trend that's growing right now. It sounds as if I'm segueing into the topic of our <laughs> talk here, but no. The the fact is, there just are a lot of lagers out there coming from uh, craft breweries, which I'm stoked about. They just they've been hard to. It's hard to convince. Uh, you know, rewind like five years ago. It was hard to convince a lot of 
or craft brewers to brew lagers. And mm-hmm. now that's definitely changed, which I'm, I'm very excited about. And then beyond that, yeah, it's just where I'm starting to see more uh, triple IPAs coming out around San Francisco beer week time. So the uh, kind of the progenitor of the style or one of the like big old school daddies for that is called Pliny the Younger. And it's oh, from yeah. Russian River Brewing Company. And that place just goes nuts. They've got people that line up, you know, spend overnight. They camp out overnight on the on the sidewalk. I, love, in, I don't and, think um, I've ever had Planet of the Younger. I've had it's Planet good. I, last last year, Megan, I, I, I got tickets. Megan and I went to uh, like an event down here in L.A. When, nice. like, during that time. And we finally at Father's Office, the burger night oh, yeah. down here. Yeah. They always have great beers and they always have Planet of yeah, the Elder. Yeah, but yeah, with the Younger, too. it's real good. It didn't disappoint, I'd say. Like, I don't I'd say it's not like anything wildly different. Yeah. Whoa. Come on, what do you mean? What, not wildly different. This thing is like well, no, like no other uh-oh. style of beer that's uh-oh. out there. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, sounds like it you just, like it, Rich. It, it's it was distinct, but I'm just saying like it wasn't like it was like it was just like a really good. I don't know. I want to try it. I want to try. It's very good. Good beer that you traded a toe for and had two ounces of, and you were flat on your ass because it's so strong. You know, so high in alcohol, so like intense with hop aroma and bitterness, and just like tons of character and elegance and muscle and all that stuff. It's just a fun beer, fun style beer. I made Rich mad. I insulted the younger. No, I. I just want to take a step back. Like we all drink a lot of craft beer. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. And and people will be like. A lot of people drink that and say, like, this isn't even beer. You know, they wouldn't even recognize it as beer. You know, it's it's an intense beer that is done very well. Does it's hard to do that style well. Do they have it on they do. tap most of the time? Or they, it was no, just no, no. It was just for, like, the, the one night they had that on tap. And oh. then they usually have, like, Elder on tap. And some it's other only Russian released herbers. once a year. Yeah, oh, it's like, is, and it's, February, it's like right now, right, Rich? Or is it kind of ending yeah, think, right now? I think February 1st or, like, the first Saturday in February or something like that is the is the release date. Rich, yeah. you got to try to secure some of that, man, and just hold it down <laughs> in Montana. Next yeah, time I got a couple kegs in my fridge. Come on over. I got a couple kegs in my fridge. They mail me some kegs every year. Are you being serious? No. No, I'm not being serious. Oh, that's <laughs> crazy. Damn. Stuff is so like, I was allocated like, and impossible to get. I was about to be like, man, I'm about to run a plane to, to Bozeman. Make a trip to Bozeman. <laughs> Bozeman. Well, you should do that regardless. Well, that's true. That's true. All right. I'll say right now, the beer we're going to be tasting today, the beer of the week uh, of the pod ep. Today will be a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Larry and I have a couple of them in front of us. We're going to crack them open later on in the episode. But if you want to find a Sierra Nevada, maybe uh, pause and go drink. grab one, listen along. As long as you don't drive when you listen to the podcast, as long as you're safely at home. Yeah, don't get arrested. Don't yeah, get don't get arrested for us. Uh, but grab a Sierra Nevada if later on you want to taste uh, taste along with us. And in a minute, uh, we're going to talk about our main subject. Uh, Rich is going to talk with us about the differences between the largest categorical divide in beer styles, which is ales versus lagers. Larry, who are you, who are you rooting for between ales and lagers? Um, it just depends on the day. I'd say right now I'm rooting for the ale. Rooting for ales. Um... But I'm also a big fan of the black lager, so we'll we'll see the dark nice. the dark lager, yeah, dark lager, like a Schwartz beer. Is that a dark lager, Rich? Did I pull a? That is yeah. hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. See how that's one. Of I them. do like a good Schwartz beer. <laughs> Look, guys, I know Rich is a master cicerone, but I am a certified beer server. Nice. Oh, you got, so did you really get certified? Yeah, but it was the test is not. Oh, that's pretty dope, though, man. I studied some flashcards <laughs> and I passed a little test online. We'll get there. Next level seems much more difficult. Of uh. What's the next one? Is it just Cicerone, Rich? Level two? Certified. Uh, certified Cicerone. Level that one seems more difficult. Cicerone. And then there's like an advanced and, Cicerone uh, yeah. now too, right? After that? or no? Yep, yep. It's a, it's a mm. serious jump between each between each level. You got to know, you know, a whole lot more stuff. Yeah, and the tests get more intense. You know, the advanced Cicerone test is a all-day affair. I think the certified Cicerone exam is about four hours, three and a half hours, and the advanced Cicerone is one full day, and then the Oof. master Cicerone is two full days. And you were... I, oh, 
but uh, everyone who's interested, check out. I was going to say, we haven't talked about it, but you were like the second Master Cicerone ever, right? Yeah, I was in the second cohort. There were two of us that passed. Dave Kale is the the other guy. So you were were tied with two and two. Who finished the test first? Uh, (laughs) That's a hilarious (laughs) question. I'm looking for either a truthful or interesting answer. (laughs) That's hilarious. We both blacked out afterwards, either from too much beer or just from stress. So yeah, I'm not yeah. sure who, who who survived that better. But yeah, anyway, yeah, there awesome. it's it's there are not too many of us yet, but uh, there will be there will be some more master cicerones coming mm-hmm. down the pipeline. I'm how sure. how many are there now? There are currently 19. 19. Wow. Okay. And how long has the program been running so far? Since 2008, the first master exam was offered in 2009. And I passed in 2010, and yeah, so it's like an average of like one and a half person, people per year, I guess, pass it. Gotcha. Wow. I know. So. It's impressive. That is impressive. But let's get, before we get to that, though, uh, Rich, I want your thoughts on this. Uh, I think, I don't know, a buddy of mine, Jack Allison, brought it to my attention that uh, that Michael, there's a quote from Michael Bloomberg from a few years back where he said that he puts ice okay. in his beer. Uh, he likes his okay. beer very cold, and he likes to put ice in his beer. I don't, I don't know. What are your, what are your like, thoughts? I don't know how I feel about that. What are your that? thoughts on billionaire Democratic candidate you should probably be asking michael me bloomberg I don't know how i feel about that <laughs> yeah you know for, for i'm staying out of the politics on this one but as far as like you know ice beer gate versus pizza gate you know i'm not gonna not gonna wade into that but the fact is if he likes beer i want him to enjoy drinking it you know and if he likes oh, it with a little bit of boo. ice that's fine if he likes it super cold you know boo. that's my you gotta lay, lay into him hold on hold on hold on hold on okay okay have you ever been to vietnam i know i know they drink ice time out time out vietnam you're trying to be diplomatic if if i'm in bozeman if me and if me and maddie are in bozeman and we're like yeah let's go get you like hey this is great place here i want you to go give me give me a name of a brewery in my in bozeman that you madison no, in, Bo- in Bozeman, that you really like, that you mm-hmm. really like, that you would want yeah, me to Mad- go. Yeah, and- Maddie's trying to say Madison River. Oh, oh, they're, in, oh. they're in Belgrade. Technically. That's what I do. But, uh, I cu- that's Bozeman, what I do. I cut Bozeman people Bozeman. off. I don't listen. But listen, <laughs> so we go to Madison. We go to Madison, and you go, hey, I need you to really try these two. And I sit yes. down, and I dump a bunch of ice in it. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say to me? I'm going to say, uh, that's a weird way to drink that beer, but it's better than a blue raspberry smoothie. You're having a beer smoothie. <laughs> So that's not bad. You're no, a, yeah, I mean that's it's nice weird. Guy. It's unorthodox, and you don't need it so cold. Uh, you know, basically, if you have it at like anywhere between forty and forty-five degrees, like that's a plenty good temperature to enjoy all the the aromas that come off of the beer. You can appreciate the beer a little bit more. The colder it is, the harder it is to to you know get all the nuances out of it. The other yeah. thing is the ice will eventually dilute it. It's also going to make it foam up because there's a lot of jagged edges, and they're called nucleation sites, and they end up making the beer foam up too much. So it's not my recommend way of enjoying beer but hey whatever floats your boat but you know what i'm over here laughing but there's nothing i enjoy more than a michelada and i'd yeah, love to put a ton on. of They're ice great. in that and some to mm-hmm. tomato juice some hot sauce yeah yeah but, that's like a beer uh, cocktail yeah man. you're adulterating your beer yeah. and you know <laughs> ice is just another sort of subtle way of changing the uh changing the art that the brewer put out Okay, that was diplomatic. Yeah, huh? I was adulterating you my you, beer. You, you adulterated it. Fornic. You adulterated yes. your beer. Adulterated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I'm not sure I stand behind it. That's ridiculous. Sure. We don't judge adulterators. We're gonna roll with it. Uh, Rich, one other thing I want to ask you because I was at a brewery. Actually, I went to some breweries uh, this weekend uh, down in San Diego. Now I enjoy getting flights okay. when I go to a brewery. Sometimes I don't always do it, and it kind of depends. And if I've been there before, usually not. But sometimes I'll especially if I'm going to multiple breweries, 
I'm probably going to do a flight so I don't have to order so many beers and I can kind of try more things that they have to offer as an intro. Uh-huh. But I feel like I have seen something of a reaction to ordering flights. <laughs> what's, what's going on over there? I feel like I've seen a beer snobbishness <laughs> of like, oh, you're not doing it right. I mean, are you serious about this? Yes. I order flights all the time, especially yeah. if I'm new to a place. I want to, I want okay. to sample it's, some stuff. That's what I say. Because because you're not getting like a full, you know, like a full pour of a beer. You're not getting like the full. So, Rich, you don't you 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 think flights are a okay? They're not for whack losers. No, it's it's fine. I'm first of all, I was wondering what what the noise is back there. You guys wrestling a wrestling a kegerator or something back there? Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe Larry's I was pouring a, a, I was pouring a beer, but I don't know. Oh. Oh, I don't want to dis- discourage that. Also, please. if you're a whack loser, Carry you're on. a whack loser. So like, <laughs> even if you order a real beer and you're whack, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Go Is ahead. That, do we say that anymore? It sounds like something from like Family Matters. I we know. say it. Everything Matt came out. Everything said from Family DJ Matters Jess is cool Jeff now. Everything from loser. Family Matters is cool again. I don't know that DJ Jazzy Jeff ever said you. Were. No, I'm just. I'm just. Oh, they always threw him out of the house before he got a chance. <laughs> Hey, listen, flights are flights are great because, you know, they're consumer friendly. All right. Mm-hmm. If you want to get to know a brewery and get to know, you know, a, a, a cross section of its offerings, then a flight is great. Bartenders don't like pouring them because it's like four times the work that, you know, they could just pour sure. one big glass of beer rather than four little glasses. They don't want to deal with all the washing all the glasses afterwards and all that. So it's a pain in the butt for like service issues. But as far as the guest or the consumer drinking these things, it's, you know, it's okay. great. I, I prefer a full size pour of things. You know, I was talking about it last week. Like, I'm not big into like little bird sips. I, I want to like take a beer down. I want to chug a lot. Um, yeah. You know, so I usually like when I go into a brewery, I rarely will order the flight personally. I'll, I'll typically order a beer that I think is pretty difficult to brew. You know, like I'm going to get in trouble for this, but you know, like IPAs, bring a good IPA is mm-hmm. not that hard if you have a professional brewery and good equipment. Bring yeah. an amazing, like mind blowing IPA is hard. A mind blowing mm-hmm. uh, version of any beer is difficult, but you know, IPAs are so, so ingredient heavy and you know, they're really just about, um, you know, the aroma from the hops, depending on the style of IPA, maybe it's the bitterness from the hops too. Malt doesn't always play a big role. It's just about the hops. If you get good hops, you can dump a whole bunch of good hops in a, in a beer. You're going to get a good IPA. You know, again, not necessarily the best IPA, whereas I would rather drink something like a Pilsner or a Kolsch or a Blondale or something that's a little bit more delicate and shows a little bit more of the brewer's art um, mm. or the brewer's skill, I should say. So that might be a way I would try to figure out like, hey, to honor. you know, what, what are this brewery's chops, um, you know, or if, or if they're like all about, you know, Belgian style beers, then we're going to pick, you know, certainly pick a Belgian style beer and figure out like, you know, what are their strengths? What, what are they what do they like to say through their beers? Okay. I see. Okay. Yeah. So just as long as you're saying, so yeah. So getting the little taste, like there's not, it's not like you're having too little of each one that you're not tasting enough, and it's mixing the other ones. But you're not tripping on anybody that orders a flight. Yeah, are you you're tripping? Are you there, tripping on anybody? You're not over there looking at them, going, Rich, "What are you, are you doing? On order a real beer, a big." Yeah. I am definitely. There's, there are no whack losers. Thank are, uh, you. All right, good. It's, it's That's all great. good. I don't. I guess we can talk about this one other story that I saw. I don't know if you guys saw about the other half brewery in Brooklyn. Rich, have you been there? Mm-hmm. Do you know other half? Uh, no, I know one of the brewers there, um, okay. but I've never been myself. So on Friday, February 7th, craft beer fans were lined up overnight outside Brooklyn's Other Half Brewing Company for the mm-hmm. following morning's limited run can release. Yep, um, you're waiting almost, out there. They're doing they do that. A lot of weekends. Have you done a lot of line line waiting, Rich? Have no, you ever I'm had to do that? I guess you get in. I'm a- anti-line waiting because I there's another great brewery that's like you know a, a, a block or two away at this point in this country there's so many breweries around yeah. there and I'd rather go have you know one of gotcha. their beers without waiting in line uh, I see so I guess there was a couple a man and a woman apparently staying at a nearby Airbnb and I think they were drunk from what I've heard I guess they walked up to the line around 9 p.m. they started taunting the line for waiting overnight for beer started giving them shit stop 
Yeah. No, don't really stop. Oh, don't I'm stop. Okay. That's not it. That's just saying. <laughs> so I guess I'm, I'm, that means I'm listening intently. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> Next, the couple left. Apparently, then the man returned. I like this part. This time, he brought with him a can of White Claw, was drinking the White Claw, continued to taunt the line before throwing the White Claw can at the line. I like that taunting with White Claw. I like bringing the White Claw, the uh, new challenger to beer, I guess. Yeah. Who was this dude? No one's using Smirnoff ice to ice anyone anymore. It's not White Claw town. Unnamed man is what he is for now. And the uh, the line, I guess, like talked a little trash back. And a lot of the accounts were from Mm -hmm. the people in line. So I'm curious exactly what they said. But I guess he left and he returned one last time, this time carrying a handgun. Uh, he said what? was a, a Glock 19. Shut up. And he threatened oh and threatened the line. So he was very mad at these people for lining up for, <laughs> for craft beer. beer. Yeah. yeah. Very pissed off. I don't know if it was because like he paid for this B- Airbnb and didn't like this, is this loud line. Man. I know. This is what you got to put up with if you're waiting in line Holy overnight moly. in Brooklyn for a beer. And then I guess the, finally they kind of calmed him down. And then he calmly walked back to his apartment. And he was only seen again when the police arrived to take him away because they called the police yeah. on him. Uh, yeah, but I guess, I guess he just went back him. up to his apartment like, okay, that's over. I showed him the gun and I'm gone. I always do that when, when people are waiting outside terrifying. for shoes. I always just bring a Glock. <laughs> Show him the Glock, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he pointed at anyone. It seems like he, didn't. he just, like, yeah. just showed it. He just let them know he had it, which, uh, you know, Man. just on vacation in Brooklyn with his Glock. Anyway, so that was a fun fun little yeah, adventure I mean, some craft beer fans i guess be careful thanks, be careful if you're lining up that must be some good well yeah i, I want to say some good beer because they were they were out all night but why is this dude tripping on what these guys are doing he's very mad at them i don't know and he maybe he works for white claw oh, <laughs> oh. i don't think that's good publicity for white claw <laughs> no no I don't, think, I don't think he's not i don't think he's on the pr team yeah probably not uh, i don't think it's good publicity for anyone there that's a that's a probably sad not. shocking story somebody should have gave him some well, beer. hopefully hopefully they got some good beer at the end of it i actually don't know i didn't see any follow-up on the beer and uh <laughs> and rich real quick i guess before we also get into uh into all the difference between an ale and a lager. Did you see uh, Rate Beer? They released, they kind of officially, you know, released their top 10 breweries in the world. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you have any if you have any thoughts on these, and I know like this list is, it's kind of user compiled, right? So it's not like it's like the biggest authority necessarily, but I feel like it's a pretty solid list of like what breweries people like right now. It's obviously a very American list. So in the world is a little, mm-hmm. a little misleading, it feels. Mm-hmm. Very um, American to but, say. But uh, yeah, the top 10, I'll go 10 to one. Number 10. Firestone Walker Brewing in Paso Robles, California. Nine, Sante Adarius Rustic Ales in Capitola, California. Rich, were they up at Us of Beer Week? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had uh, one of the beers at, um, where was I? Oh, I was up in Santa Rosa when I had it. But uh, yeah, that's it's a great brewery. Firestone Walker's great too. So definitely, yeah, good, uh, good Nor- NorCal breweries. Nice. And then the only non-American brewery in the top 10, in this top 10, is Cloudwater Brew Company in Manchester, England. Yeah, that place is awesome. They're all about hazy IPAs too. Oh, um, they are, do other stuff. They have, fairly so are there a lot of like IPAs and hazies and stuff like that now in like Europe? Oh, yeah. What's yeah. That? I mean, in the U.S., we kind of think of craft beer as American. But the fact is, I mean, craft beer is brewed all over the world now. And um, yeah, I've spent some time in, in the U.K. Uh, a few times in the past uh, past year. And it's just it's just like, you know, being in the, so it's in just like the here, States. There's so many okay. breweries. They're, they're wow. all brewing hazy IPAs. I mean, Cloudwater's beers are super super delicious cool. i actually met with a, um, a sommelier there uh who lives in manchester and he uh he wanted to check it out he knew it was kind of a buzzy place and um it was really fun to go there with a wine guy and really discuss discuss these beers from you know a couple different perspectives from the beer perspective as well as the wine perspective yeah. but yeah super delicious beers that's great and then uh seven is a big one uh founders brewing company i think mm-hmm. most people know those i feel like the kentucky breakfast out that's their most famous one that's 
Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, it's not their biggest seller, but yeah, it's definitely sort what's, of. What's their uh, biggest seller? Uh, I think All Day IPA. It's a, it's oh, a yeah. session IPA. It's like five percent alcohol or something like that. The can's uh, green. Yeah. It, is, it is green can. That's right. my expertise. I bring to the table. Uh, six. <laughs> You're not colorblind. Uh, six. Six is one I really love, but that's because I'm a you know kind of a San Diego boy. Alesmith Brewing Company um, nice. down in San Diego. It's kind of a classic spot. They're they're older, aren't they? Relative. Yeah, they opened in '96, I think '95, '96. So yeah, they're pushing. You know, <laughs> coming up on 25 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. I mean, they're fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Do, do you just have all this, these are great? Do you just have this like information, just like <laughs> like in your. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I've been to the brewery. I've met the owner, and you know, I you know, I, I have experiences with each of these places. So okay, I know. I'm just saying, like, you knew exactly what year. I'm like, I don't even know what what time it is. My well, <laughs> Larry, I'm a beer dork, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can only apologize. You should do something with that. Okay. Uh, and then five. Then five. Uh, this is one I feel like I hear about a lot. Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Great That's stuff, good. yeah, totally, totally great beer. Four, four is one that I remember. I was, I went to a wedding in Vermont uh, last spring, and this one was most of the people I talked to about beer were all about this place. Is Treehouse Brewing Company in Charlton, mm-hmm. Massachusetts? Have you been out there yet? No, I have not been out there. Um, so yeah, I, I hear great things about them. Again, yeah. that's a lot of hazy, hazy IPAs mm-hmm. or New England IPAs. Yeah, well, in New England. Yep. Uh-huh. Then uh, three, uh, Trillium Brewing Company in Boston. I've been to that mm-hmm. one. I've actually been to that you one. Have. I nice. have, and it was great. It was fantastic. It was? I had a. Um, they had this thing called oh, shoot Stonington. I think it was like an apricot uh, sour. Oh, and it was nice. outstanding. I like it. Like if, you you if you like a good sour, get this apricot Stonington. Um, a Trillium. It sounds great. Rich, have you had Trillium? No, I have never had Trillium. I need to get out there and do Treehouse and Trillium. Um, every once in a while, beers from out there make make it into my hands. Just people mm-hmm. bring them to me and do trades or whatever but uh, i've not been able to i've not been fortunate enough to have either of those but and then two side project brewing in maplewood missouri this is the only one that mm-hmm. i felt like was out of the i guess there's one in florida and one in missouri but otherwise it's a lot of new england and california stuff but uh down in missouri they got you've never been to side project i've never been to side and Pro- i've never been to missouri Ugh, i mean side project maddie come on man <laughs> side larry, project. larry and i we were calling you guys are going? they're great they deserve to be number they two they're problems. just they're fantastic a lot yeah. of hazy IP, a lot of hazy ipas i'm totally making all this shit up <laughs> larry you're, you're you're learning you're a quick study we're figuring you out rich we got really, we're, really we're, wonderful we're, stuff we figured it out just they started in 1996 and they got a lot of hazy ipas i usually get stuff no one's gonna get stuff in my hand when people trade it but no um, I think they they deserve in... to be. They deserve to be number two. <laughs> well said. <laughs> and then number one, this one's fa- this one is famous. I've never been Hill Farmstead Brewery in Greensboro, Vermont. Yum, uh, which, delicious. Yeah, yeah, people seem really high on that place, especially up in that area. They should be. Yeah, I didn't yeah. make it that far north because it turns out Vermont's bigger than you. I I went to Vermont and I was like, maybe we'll. We were in Grafton, which is like a little small town. Mm-hmm. It was for this wedding. Grafton, mm-hmm. which is I guess is known for their cheese. What wedding? Josh, 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 Josh Wyman's wedding. You also got you also got married in in New England, didn't you? I got married in New Hampshire. Yeah, but that's is New Hampshire part of New England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, it was there, and I was like, kind of, we were going. I was like, oh, maybe we'll head up to like Burlington, Greensboro, and check out some of those breweries I've heard so much about. Mm -hmm. But Vermont, despite being a small state, it's still like a four-hour drive to get up there, or it's hours of driving. Maybe not from four hours, Grafton. but it, from Grafton, it was like a long way, so it was too far. So I guess like you're if slow, you slow driver, I get well, you know, what's well, all windy? It's also off. It's side roads, and you're going over bridges. I don't know. I'm from Phoenix originally. 
Is it windy or are you whiny? Oh, boy. Wow, Let's move on. Time. Let's get away from this right, list. Well, no, hold on. Before we move on, I do want to touch base about um, or, or comment a bit on, on Rapier. So Rapier, they have a they have an affiliation with the AB InBev. Mm-hmm. And there was a big um, to-do a couple years ago when they were purchased by the company that you know that AB InBev owns. It's called ZX Ventures. And they, they ended up uh, investing heavily in Rapier. And so people thought that they were going to be completely biased and all that and and zx ventures or ab InBev promised they would they you know they would not be huh, i got a lot of negatives here they would not be biased yes they would be unbiased um <laughs> sorry i got a little tripped up there i think the beers hit me um anyway so looking at this list it's nice to see that most of these breweries are independent mm-hmm. um, not all of them but none of them are by my knowledge none of them have any ab InBev ownership so yeah so it's good to see a little bit of you know, integrity and journalism there. And yeah, these are, you know, ostensibly all user generated mm-hmm. reviews and user generated, um, you know, lists and all that. Cool. So yeah, Firestone Walker is uh, owned by, or sorry, um, not AB and Beth, uh, uh, Duval Mortgat, which is most famous for Duval, which mm-hmm. a lot of people pronounce Duvel. Um, so if you've seen no, that no, beer no. around, that's, can't, that's, can't do that's that. who's can't. in on Firestone. That's a good beer. Um, it is a good beer. Yeah, yeah. right. We talked about it last week. <laughs> uh, yeah, Founders, um, has uh, they're now entirely owned by Mahu San Miguel, which is Spanish-owned, I believe. And then, um, what's, oh, Cigar City is owned by Canarchy, which is um, uh, the principal brand for that is Oscar Blues um, oh, out cool. of Colorado. All right, yeah. So, um, it's, anyways, so, so you're saying, so it's, so it's a so it's a good, like a reliable so place like to get a good idea. Like it might be the all ending authority but it's a good place to look at that list and find some good places sure. where people are yeah sure yeah. yeah i mean as far as like beer journalism and beer websites and all that there's you know that's a whole other episode um, that we could go into oh, but yeah. yeah as far as that list goes i'm t- i'm down with that list if you hand me a beer from any of those breweries right now i would gladly drink that beer cool can i ask you a question maybe i just i mean i did just <laughs> ask you a question but if i yes. handed you a beer from any brewery right now would you not drink it <laughs> Oh man, you can make me look bad. Yeah, I might not. I might not. I'm, I yeah. currently am drinking a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, so I'm I'm just fine with that. That's the, great. Sounds like we might it was called like though, it was but. called like Spunky's Butt Ale from uh, <laughs> from Trash House Brewing in Colorado. You know, there was a Vaz Deference themed beer that came out a few years ago. Oh, there's a really? Uh, yeah, I think Caldera Brewing has a Vaz Deference beer. I don't like that like, at all. Why would you theme a beer after, you know, like... You're kidding. Condi with the sperm. I'm not kidding. Look it up. It's mm. nuts. Well, well more ways That's than hilarious. One. It's nuts. <laughs> that's like on the you bottle. Pl- you yeah. planned that. Yeah, I did not, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think I might not drink that beer. Yeah. But um, give me enough ice. I'll, put, I'll drink it. So let's, uh, let's move on. Let's get into the main topic, shall we? Yeah. I'm going to, you know, like this week, I think this is a lesson best left. To, for you to take the lead because this is you are the expert but we're going to be talking about ales versus lagers just kind of the broader strokes of how what people can expect from either one and just know the difference between the two so uh rich you want to take it away yeah sure um yeah so you know beer is any the way i teach this is is so beer is any f- beverage uh it's a fermented beverage where the fermentation was fueled by grain sugar all right. So what that means is fermentation is the act of yeast consuming sugar and turning it into alcohol, carbon dioxide, and other flavors. All right, so that's what that's what yeast does. Yeast is this little single cellular uh, fungus, so it's it's you know it's related to mushrooms, um, and it it's just like us. It likes to eat sugar, and then the byproducts of that metabolism are alcohol. Yay, we get 
booze, we get bubbles in the form of carbon dioxide. And then there are other flavors that are produced as well. So other compounds that, that smell like stuff or uh, taste like stuff. So that's fermentation as a whole. And if your sugar source is from grain, that's when you get a beer. Okay, if your sugar source is from apples uh, and you ferment it, you get a cider. If your sugar source is from grapes, you get a wine. Um, you know, if your sugar source is honey, you get a mead. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the idea. So that's beer, like with a capital B at the very top of the the family tree. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. Hey, can I ask real quick about trees, mead? Right? I feel like mead gets yeah. compared to beer a lot. Or you'll be at breweries and they'll have sometimes they'll have like a mead uh-huh. ale. Is that just a mead usually, or is it a beer that is somehow honey? You know, honey's also involved and it's made like that. Or well, either either one. I mean, if they're calling it a mead, it should be hundred. Or you know, I, yeah, I'm not a mead expert. Honey. There there are a lot of different mead. Um, varieties there's something called braggots there's something called um uh, god they're all like old english old welsh looking words but sometimes they have fruit in them sometimes they have grain and honey in them but basically i think that basically they have to have at least 50 percent okay so so you're still working you're still working towards the master meadsman exam (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you're just a sommelianist for now it's called a mead marksman mead marksman Um, so yeah i I don't know much about mead the the meads i've had i've enjoyed um there's a huge range within them and i i don't deign to to know that much about them but yeah so yeah that sugar source if, it, if that sugar ends up fermenting and this stuff before fermentation starts off very sweet whether it's honey or grape juice or apple juice or, or grain juice which in beer we call wort w-o-r-t but it's pronounced w-i-r-t that is what determines what your beverage is going to turn into after it ferments that that uh, sugar source so so at the top of the sort of the family tree or <laughs> when i say family trees i start with, at the bottom like a tree Oh, that's a good. One. Like I think it goes. Yeah, stem of the tree. I feel like I'm thinking like if there's an actual ahead. tree yeah. when it's drawn, the like mm-hmm. grandpa will be at the bottom. bottom. But when you're yeah. if you're just doing like the bracketed chart, they'll always be up yeah. at the top. Yeah. Okay. So, but let's well, go to the roots. Let's start at the roots. Let's go down. No, no, no. I'm doing, no, I'm I doing like the tree. Charts. No, I like the visual of the tree. <laughs> okay, you're doing bracketed. Okay, this is a bracketed All tree, right. everybody. Think about it's, it's almost March, right? Everyone's gonna have bracket fever with March Madness. Oh, there we go. I'm still stuck on the mead. I'm sorry. <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just playing. Go ahead. So, all right. So you got beer at the top, and then it splits into basically two main categories. All right. If you want to make things difficult, you can split it off in other things too. But the let's main let's keep two categories, easy. yeah, let's not be difficult, uh, are yeah. ales and lagers. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are the beverages. Ale is a beverage. It's a beer. Okay. Lager is a beverage. It's also a beer. However, they're also the name of uh, yeasts genuses or genera it's called of yeast so like we're homo sapiens so homo is the genus sapiens is the species and with uh with brewer's yeast we're talking about the species sorry the uh, genus of saccharomyces okay look at the word saccharomyces saccharo is like sugar like saccharin sweet things and then myces is like mushrooms and funguses okay so any if you're a, a mycologist, you are a mushroom fan, a mushroom hunter. You know, you go out and, and forage for mushrooms. So Saccharomyces is a sugar fungus. So that's the genus. And then uh, ale yeast is Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Okay, it looks like Latin for beer. Okay, like mm-hmm. cerveza in Spanish. Oh, so, oh lovely. So that's Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Yeah. And that's ale yeast. And then if you use that yeast to ferment a grain-based sugar solution, mm-hmm. other, you know, aka wort, yeah. you will, the resulting beverage will be an ale. So ale yeast ferments ales, mm-hmm. and then lager yeast, which is Saccharomyces pastorianus. Pastorianus, gotcha. 
after Louis. Named Louis, after Louis, Louis Pasteur. Pasteur. Yeah. Louis Pasteur. Yeah, so that is lager yeast. And so if you're wor- if if I make a batch of wort, you know, Sam in, in you know the old brewery I used to work at, I, I would do 15 barrel batches. That's like 30 kegs or so. So I'd make 30 kegs of wort. If I split that wort off into two different fermenters and everything else is the same, okay, you got the same wort, same grains, same hops, same same water and all that. Um, and I pitch two different yeast strains. I pitch ale yeast into one of them and I pitch lager yeast in, into the other. Then the two resulting beers, one of them is going to be an ale and one of them is going to be a lager. Mm-hmm. So that is ah, the... God difference the distinction between gotcha and so ales ales were first right ales for many hundreds of years were the first beer correct yeah we kind of talked about this a little bit last week last time when we were talking about pilsners but kind of lagers came along so what was it just like we found this other yeast or what happened ale was the beer Mm -hmm. and then suddenly we have lagers well, keep in mind that nowadays we can brew with um, really pure strains of yeast, i.e. they're not mixed cultures. So if you want to get ale yeast, you know, you can call up a, a yeast lab and get a pitch. It's called a pitch, you know, like a, a culture of one strain, one actual species. In the old days, though, there were very much mixed cultures I where see. there were a lot of different strains yeah. of yeast and potentially bacteria in there. And I don't want to scare anyone by saying bacteria. We're talking about like good probiotic bacteria. That's yeah. the bacteria that's in a lot of sour beers and stuff tasty like that. Tasty bacteria. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, good tasty bacteria. So that those mixed cultures were dependent upon uh, environmental influences. So that would include where the the mixed culture lived, and you know what where the, where was your brewery? Okay, were you in Belgium? Were you in Germany? Were you in uh, you know, Mesopotamia, were you in, uh, you know, Peru or something like that? You know, and I, I know we don't think of like Peru with a lot of beer, but Peru has a lot of grain. And so they'd make alcoholic beverages out of fermented quinoa mm. or corn, oh, for oh. instance. Can you make, well, can you make a beer be, out of that quinoa? That would still be beer because it's grain. It's fermented exactly. grain. Yes. Have you, yep. how's that? That's why, that's why sake's beer because it's sake's fermented beer. grain. Yeah. yeah. You got it, Larry. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, how is a quinoa beer? I've never had it. Oh, we got to get to Peru. We got to make that happen. I can some ceviche. We can, we'll also brew some, we can also brew some, right? You could. You, so there, it's, <laughs> that is that, that that sound too Sounds like you couldn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's technically possible, but you need a lot of okay. other things to no. okay. do it, which is why that sort of beer won't taste like a beer. Won't won't be like what we expect out of a beer. Fine. Um, but that's that's so a huge fine. We won't make a quinoa <laughs> <a> beer. <laughs> right. So, but back to back to what you know what we expect out of a beer. Yeah. Um, so there are all these mixed mixed cultures, and so based on where um, where the brewery might be located, but also the time of year, and so like how cold you know are the how, how cold is the ambient temperature during fermentation a lot of the time. So you know back 500 years ago, we didn't have artificial ref- refrigeration, and you know like refrigerant. Uh, glycol like being sent to stainless steel tanks to adjust temperatures very finely it was all you know up to ambient temperature affecting Mm -hmm. the big oak or wooden vats that all these things were fermenting in that all the beers were fermenting in and so temperature was a huge issue too and so the fact that lager yeast ended up splitting off um uh, from ale yeast at some point. Brewers didn't know about it at the time, but it was at some point. So there's also something called Saccharomyces bayanus, which is a, a common wine yeast. Wines are typically made from Saccharomyces cerevisiae, ale yeast, Saccharomyces bayanus, which is wine yeast. Those two uh, separate yeast strains 
both contributed some of the some of their DNA to Saccharomyces pastorianus, which is lager yeast. So lager yeast has uh, it's sort of hybridized off uh, some of the best parts of wine yeast and best parts of ale yeast. And again, brewers didn't know about this at the time. So uh, so when we think of Germany, that's really where we think of. All right, and there that is for a reason. So you said when you were, think of Germany, that's when we think of lagers. Is that we said, yeah. Okay, lagers really developed initially in you know cold Germanic cultures, uh, you know, around the Alps. So look at Bavaria. So Bavaria for um, a long time has had you know it's had this history of really caring about about beer quality and beer taste. Mm-hmm. Um, there's cynical ways to look at it. There are uh, really positive ways to look at the history, but. Looking at like specifically the year 1516, the Rhein Heitzke was uh, promulgated by you know Duke Wilhelm IV. Okay, um, it was a revision of laws that had been passed in uh, the city of Munich and in the 1400s as well. Um, but they basically restricted; they they made more and more restrictions on what could actually go into a beer and have it be called a beer. So if you're going to sell a beer in Munich in the 1300s, you could put whatever the hell you wanted in it. Okay, and often you had to put all sorts of weird stuff in it to cover up off flavors. So they would put spices, they would put fruits, they would put um, you know whatever they could get their hands on to change the the character of the beer and cover up or mask some of these weird flavors. Eventually, the the city said, "All right, this is BS. You know, you're making beers that are barely recognizable as what anyone actually wants to buy, and people might potentially be getting sick off these things." So they started to restrict uh, what could go into beer. Eventually, uh, in 1516, it became a um, duchy-wide thing. So it was a dukedom. So uh, okay. duchy or dukedom, this law came out. It's called the surrogate verbot, which is German for uh, for it, it forbade uh, surrogate ingredients to be added. Rich, if I if I if I ask you a question, I don't want to I don't want to inter- I don't no I mean, go for I, it. I do mean to interrupt you. Are you reading? <laughs> Are you reading this, or is this like all in your no. head? <laughs> that's that's all my head. Oh my god. <laughs> <no. laughs> So, continue, so, please. So you're, you were at a surrogatska boat. <laughs> so continue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the surrogatska boat came out. Um, it's now what we call the Ryan Heitzke boat, and which is a cleaned up name for it. Ryan Heitzke mm-hmm. boat means the purity law. So gebot is is a law, and and Ryan Reinheitz is the the concept of, of purity. So the idea though is that you can't be putting whatever you want in your beers. And uh, the hope was that beer would clean up, you know. So, so what was called beer, what was sold as beer in uh, the Dukedom of Bavaria, was going to be recognizable and consistent as beer. However, it didn't really fix everything, and a lot of the problem came down to beer that was brewed in the warmer months of the year. Mm. Um, it had, you know, weird bacteria in it and weird wild yeasts and maybe more wine yeast or this, that. So it made it so that this beer was just a little bit funkier, a little bit less consistent, and so the Bavarians still were not happy with the quality of the beer. So eventually, uh, the successor to Wilhelm IV, this guy named Albrecht V in 1553, so fast forward like 35 years, he said, all right, screw it. The the, the surrogate verbot didn't cut it. Uh, we still have bad beer that's being produced primarily in the summer. So too bad. We're no longer allowing people to brew in the summer. No more. And so he's taking his ball, he's uh, going home. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you got to well, do that. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, he, he actually kind of literally, because he allowed, well, that's a, that's another side. Basically, if you were, if you were connected to the, to the, the family, the, the Wittelsbacher family, the, the Dukes, um, then you could still maintain a right to brew and the Dukes sort of uh, sold off that right. So you can still brew in the summer, um, but typically you were brewing wheat beers. And so those were ales. So, um, but anyway, so lager yeast, or sorry, so so if you couldn't brew in the middle of the summer because the beer was going to be bad and so it became illegal, 
than you had to brew during colder months. Of course, it's the various of these religious holidays to determine when you can and can't brew. So basically, after like Michael Mass, Michael St. Michael's Mass or something, I think that's late April or maybe it's early September. Anyway, you couldn't brew between late April and early September. And I don't, I'm not a good enough Catholic to know uh, the name of these holidays. Anyway, so the idea though is that if you are a brewery and you are, you know, brewing with your house yeast, you know, no one, you couldn't just call up White Labs and say, hey, send me out a new pitch of this specific yeast. You just brew with the sludge that's at the bottom of your tanks. Uh, and you know that that stuff makes your beer ferment. But if you are brewing in the middle of winter and it's pretty cold in southern Germany, you know, kind of in the foothills, of the Alps especially, you might have a hard time fermenting in that cold temperature because perhaps your, the yeast that you use, the yeast that's in your house culture of yeast is temperature temperature sensitive okay and so if it doesn't do well at you know below 60 degrees fahrenheit below 50 degrees fahrenheit something like that you might not be able to produce good beer in the winter but your neighbor brewery down the street or you know in, a, in another town a couple towns over something like that they might do just fine you know they might be able to brew beer and uh, have it ferment and end up tasting good in the middle of january and so what had happened there was that was sort of the discovery that there were different strains of yeast i <laughs> wasn't really the discovery it was the first time people noticed that some breweries could do well and some breweries couldn't. And so nowadays, what we know from microbiology is the fact that there are different species of yeast and they are tolerant of different temperatures. Oh, wow. Breweries that did well during the winter were the ones that, you know, just through commercial success, because they could continue to brew beer and sell beer, um, they're the ones that, you know, survived. And the ones that didn't have the proper yeast either couldn't survive or else they borrowed, sold, or sorry, borrowed or bought or uh, stole the, the good yeast from the other breweries. That yeast that hybridized off that could actually do well in cold temperatures, that's lager yeast. That's so, so That's um, so interesting. Just kind of accidental. Yeah, so German laws and German history that, that made for uh, for this lager yeast um, to pull off and, and, cool. and do well or separate off from the in the family tree and do well. I mean, look, I know so, I know the answer to the question, but there, there are definite outliers, like probably... Uh, good ales that are brewed at like uh, the temperature that's that's more ready for lagers and log and and lager that's uh, mm-hmm. that's brewed at like uh, an ale temp- temperature or no? Yeah, well, there so there are there are hybrid styles which are just biologically they're still lagers or ales and sure. the yeast that they use um, you can't get an ale yeast to ferment at you know forty five degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. it's just too cold but oh, wow. lager yeast is is happy to do it. Um, but typically, ales are fermented, I don't know, 65 degrees Fahrenheit to 75 degrees Fahrenheit or so. It depends on the style of beer and the brewery and all that. Um, but a lot of ale yeast is tolerant down to like 50 degrees or 55 degrees. And so if you ferment your ale yeast at, you know, a 10 or 12 degrees colder than than normal, that would be an example of something like a Kolsch beer from Cologne in Germany or an Alt beer from Dusseldorf. I like a Kolsch. Uh, in Germany. I'm a big fan of a Kolsch. And so, or... Yeah, Colsters are great, man. Or a cream ale, for instance. So oh, cream wow. ale is, you know, from like around the Great Lakes region of the U.S., like Eastern Great Lakes, like New York, you know, Rochester and places like that, and Ohio. And they were ale breweries that had the equipment for ales, uh, for brewing ales, and they had ale yeast in there uh, as their house yeast strain. This is like in the, you know, the late 1800s. And by then, the market in the United States had really turned toward lagers. All these lager brewers from, you know, German immigrants that had set up shop in St. Louis and yeah. uh, Texas and Chicago and Milwaukee and all that were brewing lagers. And so a lot of these older ale breweries 
uh, out east wanted to brew the most lager-like beer they could, and so they kept their old ale yeast but fermented at a colder temperature. At a colder temperature. What about what about vice versa though? So that's something like Anchor Steam, like what we had oh, last yes, week. Yes. So, okay. So that's an example of a German, you know, brewing culture uh, moving out to instead of settling in St. Louis or Cincinnati or Milwaukee in the middle of the 1800s. Um, those are breweries that sort of got seduced by the the gold rush out in California. And so they moved, I shouldn't say breweries, they're brewers that came over from, from Germany or the Czech Republic or wherever. And they set up shop in gold country in you know San Francisco and Sacramento and all that. And they started to brew with their favorite yeast that they had from home, which is lager yeast. Lager yeast. yeast. Uh, but they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have cold winters. You know, they yeah. didn't have uh, ice. You know, ice palms that would get carved up, and the ice would get shipped down the mountains. You know, down into San Francisco and stored in lager cellars. That didn't exist for you know thirty more years. And that's so, dope. that's dope. Yes, yeah, so they brewed uh, lager with their lager yeast at warmer temperature. And so that's again, that's one of these hybrid styles of beer. So then to transition then into the differences, because obviously, like it's not like lagers came along and then the ales all died in the winter. Right. Certainly not. Certainly. As you transition mm-hmm. today, right now we have places that make, I mean, you know, places that make both, but mm-hmm. brewers that make ales and they make lagers. So just looking at right. the two now, now that like if it's a brewery in, you know, San Diego, California, mm-hmm. what what are the kind of basic differences? Because obviously now, you know, ice from the mountains is no longer a factor. You're right. talking about, are you talking about like characteristics well, I'm just saying, no, I'm just, I'm just even, yeah. even kind of just like before we get to that part, yeah, just yeah. more in the brewing process, because yeah. there are still, I think, some aspects of the actual brewing. Mm-hmm. And there's also like top fermentation and bottom fermentation. Oh, careful, Maddie. Careful. I don't want to go too deep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I want. I definitely want to discuss this. That sounded like you were wrong. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of just like, well, I was like, I was considering just being like, hey, Rich, here's some vocab words. Top fermentation, <laughs> bottom fermentation, go. <laughs> now, now that we've kind of come out of the historical part of it, what, what are the basic things that a person is doing differently for each? And obviously you've kind of hinted at a ton of it in yeah, terms of like yeah. temperature and stuff like that. But how would you look at it like as a modern day brewer making one or making the other? Well, basically, so if regardless of whether it's lager yeast or ale yeast, if you ferment it at, you know, at 70 degrees Fahrenheit, the fermentation is going to go relatively quickly. All right. And if you ferment anything at cold temperatures, if you're using ale yeast, it's not going to work at all. But if you use lager yeast, it's going to happen more slowly. Hmm. So just like so many different things in biology, things move um, or things occur more slowly at colder temperature. And so if you're going to brew, sorry, if you're going to ferment a lager, it typically will take about a week to ferment, you know, six, seven, eight, nine days to ferment for primary fermentation. That's the creation of alcohol, sugars, and flavors. And then there's a long uh, lagering period, it's called, which is the storage period or the maturation period, uh, during which time the yeast will, uh, it doesn't have any more sugar in the beer. It's not going to create um, a lot more alcohol at that point. But what it does is it starts to go back through the beer and clean it up. Um, so it'll find flavors that it produced during the fermentation and change those flavors. Um, in the case of lager yeast, it changes them. Typically, it changes them into, well, they're not flavors anymore. They're not noticeable by us. So uh, you really end up, it cleans up the beer and you end up tasting just the ingredients in the beer. So just the malt and the hops. And, you know, if there's any particular uh, character to the water chemistry or something like that, you might smell a little bit of aroma from the water. But in general, you're just tasting the ingredients. So ale yeast, it's about a, it's like half the length of fermentation time. It's like usually three days to ferment and create alcohol and carbon dioxide and flavors. 
And then instead of having um, that longer lagering period, sorry, I, didn't, I don't think I said how long the lagering period is, but lagering usually takes about five weeks or so um, <clears throat> at cold temperatures for lager yeast. For ale yeast, it might only take, you know, two weeks. So you got basically half the time of uh, primary fermentation and half the maturation time. And during that time, ale yeast will also clean up the beer a little bit and, and change some of the flavorful compounds uh, into things that are not flavorful. Yeah. However, ale yeast also has it has the DNA to produce a lot of things that do have flavor, and those are persistent in the beer. So if you're drinking these beers, the main difference is that lagers taste like their ingredients because the yeast created alcohol, carbon dioxide, mm -hmm. and then non-persistent flavors. Mm -hmm. So they're not in your finished beer. And then an ale should taste like the ingredients, so malt and hops, maybe water as well as uh, it'll have alcohol and carbon dioxide from the fermentation, as well as other flavors from the fermentation that are persistent. So you will continue to taste these other sort of magical flavors created during fermentation. You said magical flavors created, is that what you said? Yeah, that's a scientific term, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so listen, so like on, on, you know, uh, on a commercial when it says cold lagered, I mean, that's kind of mm -hmm. redundant. That's just some sort of a marketing term, right? Because generally lagers are just fermented no, cold, or no? It, it's it's not it's not worthless. It's sort of assumed. Like, there's no lager out there that hasn't well, been that's cold what I'm lagered. Saying. Yeah. But la lagering technically on its own just means a time of storage, time of maturation. Got so it. you could lager something warm if you wanted, but no self-respecting lager brewery is going to do that. Gotcha. So, yeah, cold lager is assumed. But, yeah, it is. they're not making it up entirely. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So then I was going to read... You know, again, we've touched on what to expect from each of them, sure. but I'm going to read some styles. Uh, Rich, let me know if I'm skipping any. Um, obviously, oh, this isn't actually, comprehensive. Can I put you on hold for a sec? I got to make sure do. I say the issue with top fermenting and bottom fermenting. Oh, I, go ahead. I, so I'm a brewer. You know, I was a prof professional brewer for 10 years in San Francisco. I have a brewer's mentality on this. I want to clarify this. Beers, yeah. when they ferment, regardless of whether it's ale yeast or lager yeast or something else, the fermentation occurs throughout the entire column of the beer. So if you got, you know, a 10-foot tall fermenter, the fermentation happens at the bottom the middle, the top, it happens throughout it. And it's a very roiling, mixing uh, process during fermentation. Ale yeast typically is pretty sticky, it's called. So it likes to glom onto itself. And so during fermentation, it releases a lot of gas, all right? And so because it's ale yeast is kind of sticky, the gas will end up uh, lifting the ale yeast up. It'll form a mat at the, top of the, at the top of the beer. And so that mat is buoyant because it has a lot of CO2 that's trapped underneath it. Lager yeast, on the other hand, is it's called the powdery yeast it's very sandy and powdery and so it doesn't glom onto itself and so while it still produces co2 during uh, fermentation the co2 manages to escape through the yeast the mm. yeast doesn't get dragged up to the top and so just through settling and, and sedimentation and gravity the yeast settles to the bottom of the tank and is collected at the bottom of the tank and so the old way of brewing beer and fermenting beer in you know large oak vats that didn't have a that didn't have a lid on it was called just open fermentation if you wanted to reuse that yeast you could crop it it's called or harvest it from the top of the tank which is the the only part of the beer in the tank you could see and so that was ale yeast and so they noticed with this this lager yeast that allowed the beers to still ferment in the winter, ah. um, they couldn't crop anything from okay. the top of the tank. Nothing floated at the top of the tank. It would be at so the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. Ah. So, and nowadays with modern um, stainless steel closed fermenters, most brewers in you know the most craft beer you've ever had, most um, you know modern macro beer you've ever had, regardless of whether it's ale yeast or lager yeast, it's harvested and cropped at the bottom of the tank because the tanks are closed. They're sealed up. So you can't get in through the top. I see. So 
that's the quick right. and dirty on quick... top fermenting versus gotcha. lager, oh, uh, bottom fermenting. Bottom. That's amazing. That's See, amazing. good I asked. That's huh? good information. It's good that I threw those words out there. Yeah, into the ether. No, so they would catch on. Yeah. <laughs> so then just to go on this, the styles and obviously uh, it's not black and white all the time with every style, Correct. Yeah. but ge- for the general gist of it, I kind of have a couple lists, common, yeah. common ale styles. There's the pale ales. There's like, you know, IPAs, American pale ales. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stouts and porters are in the ale category. Most of the time. Most of the time. There's one porter that's not an ale. Which one is that? Yeah, which one it's called is it? Baltic Porter. Ooh. The Baltic Porter is the uh, the Germanic countries around the Baltic Sea that wanted to brew um, Imperial sense. Russian stouts and cut off the uh, the monopoly that England had on sending strong dark uh, ales to Ooh. to the the, the court at um, St. Petersburg. That sounds like a fun so, story. We might uh, want to yeah, get into yeah. later. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but basically, yeah, brewers in like northern you know in Prussia at the time, but like northern okay. Germany and what's now. Gotcha, and then and and then and then there's a lot of ales that are obviously ales because they have ale and like brown in, in brown ales, amber ales, red ales, blonde ales, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yep. Um, and then typically or a lot of the time, like American wheat wheat beers and Hefeweizen. Um, but I think that mm-hmm. one's not always. No, those are those are well, yeah, those are ales for the most part. Okay. So pretty reliable, yeah. And then saisons, yeah. And then Belgians are, ob- you know, Belgian ales are obviously ales. Yep, yep. So there's those. And then the the lager styles. Some of them are pil- like pilsners, American pale lagers. Uh, American pale lager is like the old classic American beer, right? Remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really have a defined yeah. style or anything like mm. that. But yeah, that's that's what people are talking about. Doppelbox are lagers, right? Yep. Yeah, box, and then the and yeah, like a lot of the German ones, the Munich Dunkels. The fest beers mm-hmm. in the Oktoberfest, all that malty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a solid list of the styles that you'll find in each category. Yes. So let's get to summing this up. All right. All and, right. We're gonna, and we're going to put it this way. Rich, you're on a blind date at a bar. Hi, Rich. How you doing? I got your date right oh, here. Hi. hi. Lorena, Lorena is <laughs> here. No, no, my name's not Lorena. My name is... I was going method. Lisa. Okay, Lisa's <laughs> here. All right, Lisa's here, and you want to impress Lisa, Rich. All right? So I'm gonna say, All right. what she, a name, she, Rich. What a name. Yeah. Oh, she's you're doing well so far, Rich. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you've, you've told her that you're into beer. You're a beer guy. You're the king of beers, mm-hmm. some might say. Mm. Um, and Lisa doesn't know do, a ton about beer. Do I get a high? Um, do I get a lager or an ale? I don't know. What's the difference? What do I expect? Rich, can you help me, please? <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. <laughs> First of all, I want to empower you as a, um, a presumed woman Rich, who seems to be Rich. curious about this is a, this beer. Is a... I would love to, to let you know that uh, lagers tend to be um, straightforward in their approach. They taste like uh, malt and hops, and um, they're not uh, as complex as lagers. And yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to drink that, Rich. I want something with a lot of flavor to it. Well, uh, lagers can have a ton of flavor. They just typically are uh, slightly slightly less complex. And so complexity mm. is not good or bad. Uh, it just is what it is. So sometimes you want something simple and easy drinking and it doesn't um, you know, have a thousand different flavors. And uh, something like an ale might typically have more uh, more complexity because, uh, yeah, again, you're going to taste malt and hops as well so if I as... Understand, so if I understand this correctly, Rich. Yes. That if I get an ale... It's, I can expect to have a lot of flavors mm-hmm. hopping around. And if I get a lager, I'm going to get something a little bit cleaner, crisper. Cleaner, yes. Crisper, not always. Like a Doppelbach oh. is not particularly crisp. No. But it really just comes down, to, comes down to complexity. Like sometimes you want a sparkling water and sometimes you want a Coca-Cola, right? Coca-Cola has tons of different flavors. 
And sparkling water has very few flavors. Okay. So ales are, spar- ales are Coca-Cola. Lagers right. are sparkling water. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's yeah. oddly helpful. That I think, oddly helpful. I think that is good. I'd, I'd okay. like to be oddly helpful. So help. in front of us, Larry and I have, we have ourselves some Sierra Nevada pale ales. And I think it's time we, we and I think it's time we took a taste of them. Ooh. So I'm going to open up the bottle. You know, now I'm thinking back to this sparkling water coke thing it's, oh, no. it's killing me it's so i know simplistic. i knew i knew like so i knew it was so you dropped you dropped off <laughs> you dropped off you. rich you just dropped off lisa you drove like three blocks and you just like pulled a fast u-turn that's and right are driving back to her place to tell her and i've i've got the boom box on my uh, over I'm, my head and rich, I, knew you, I knew you were, i knew you were gonna you come, i knew lisa? you were gonna come back i don't like i don't like that analogy she could be the one that got away you know i mean uh, all right, <clears throat> we're going to stick with it for now, though. Okay. <laughs> I think that was pretty solid, though. Hey, everyone. I'm going to interrupt the episode real quick. So shortly after we recorded, Larry and I got an email from Rich. Something didn't sit right with the sparkling water versus Coke analogy. Rich said that it was uninspired, misleading, and doesn't do justice to either lagers or ales. So to make things right, we wanted to give Rich a chance to offer some better comparisons. Rich? Uh, yeah, so uh, thanks for bearing with me here, everyone. I just had a bit of a brain fart there, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I meant to say comparisons like, like these for, you know, between a lager and an ale. So like a margarita pizza uh, is sort of like a lager versus a grandma slice with all the toppings would be more like an ale, you know, so you got, you know, very simple, few ingredients in the margarita pizza, but it's totally perfect and delicious. Uh, and sometimes you want the, you know, the grandma slice, it's got a lot more bread, a lot more chew, and it's got uh, a lot more toppings and stuff. Um, so that would be more like an ale. You know, another example is like a baguette, uh, sort of on the lager side versus an everything bagel, which would be an ale maybe, or a perfect piece of uh, nigiri sushi, you know, versus like a big uh, spider roll, you know, with like fried uh, fried crab in it and lots of like mayonnaise sauce and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, keeping in the same vein, we got like a grilled cheese versus a Reuben. Uh, biscuits and gravy versus like a big breakfast with like chicken and waffles, scrambled eggs and cheese grits. So the lager is more like biscuits and gravy. Ale is more like the big breakfast, uh, you know, espresso versus a mocha, uh, carne asada tacos versus chicken mole enchiladas. Um, getting out of food a little bit. Uh, we can say like sitting on the dock of the bay by Otis Redding versus Thriller by Michael Jackson. So sitting on the dock of, of the bay would be more like the lager. Thriller is more like uh, Michael or sorry, Thriller is more like like an ale. Um, you know, you can't deny the awesomeness of any of these things. Um, and they're things you crave at different times, though. Uh, so sometimes you're just in the mood to listen to John Lee Hooker, for instance. Uh, and sometimes you're just more in the mood to listen to Outkast, say. So John Lee Hooker is the, you know, pared down spare version. Uh, it's just beautiful stuff. And it's more like a lager. And Outkast is, you know, the more heavily produced stuff, a lot uh, more texture and uh, harmony and all sorts of interesting stuff going on. Um, that's more like an ale. Awesome. Thanks, Rich. Um, I think you've given us a lot of great analogies for the the listeners to take with them and, and use. It's a very comprehensive list and, and we really appreciate it. And we're glad to give you a chance to uh, to, to write this, to get this right. <laughs> there is ju- justice in the world of beer podcasts okay, now. Perfect. Thank you. All right, thanks. So now we're right back to the episode. So we got Sierra Nevada Pale Ale in front of us. And Rich, I'm going to say Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. This one is an ale. Uh, you are Nailing correct, it. sir. Uh, so we're going to take a sip right now. You have one. Was that? I just heard a, a can opening. That was your... Yes, I did just great. open that. And this one's, this one's like nationally distributed, right? This is internationally distributed. Woo-wee. Widely available. Just absolutely 
benchmark uh, for the style. Great. Absolutely delicious. Um, and I think honestly, we'll get into the brewery itself later on because I think yeah. it's yeah. kind of a, it has kind of a cool place in the history of, of, of craft beer. beer. Yeah, it definitely. Does. Yeah. Uh, cool. So we're taking sips. Let's take a we're sip. Not, we're taking chugalugs. Rich a, doesn't like sips. I'm taking a gulp. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're enjoying it. You want me to talk you through it? Give a few tasting notes, or you want to offer a few toward me? I think Larry should go first. No, no, Larry. Larry, Larry, just Larry, did, Larry was just Lisa. Larry what are you talking about? Larry. Larry was just Lisa. No, Lisa was here, and she's yeah, gone. She well, left. Nah, okay. No, no. I go ahead, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck what Maddie's talking about. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, uh, all right. So basically, yeah, we got a um, kind of a a light amber colored beer slight orange tint to it which uh shows us there's a little bit of uh toasted malt that's in it Mm -hmm. and when i smell it take a big big whiff of this thing Mm, god it smells good so to me it smells like a again a little hint of toast but overall it um is driven by hopper so we've got tons of grapefruit uh pine uh tangerine a little bit of cannabis uh hops are in the same family botanically as cannabis so there's a little bit of crossover there um, and even, uh, it's not a real uh, appealing sounding thing, but it does add a, a hint of uh, complexity to this beer, even a little bit of kind of green garlic. And mm. all of that is coming from these hops. So if I take a taste, which I want to, and I hope you guys do Please the same. Do. Yes, we are. We might have jumped the gun on it. <laughs> I want to ask a question. I'm going to let you go through, but I have a question about you know, picking up those um, scents. Okay, but I'll, I'll, I'll save it. Well, yeah, let's just let's cover the, the taste and mouthfeel and then, um, uh, and then hit that stuff. So, uh, yeah, so the taste, I'm getting just a little hint of sweetness. Not a lot, but there's some. Um, it is balanced off of a decent amount of bitterness. So I think a, a real coup of this beer, this beer has a lot of grace from the fact that it has just a little bit of sweetness to undercut some of the bitterness. Um, it is a f- fully bitter beer, but that sweetness balances it just a little bit and um, tones it down mm-hmm. a touch. So because of that bitterness, um, it is nice and uh, uh, refreshing. I want to drink more of it. I know it sounds funny and weird if you don't like bitterness, but I do think that bitterness makes it so that I sort of want an antidote in the form of more watery. More so it's addictive. Goodness. Beer. So it's it's sort of, hooking you. Yeah, it's got a it's got a dry mouth. Yeah, it, well, yeah. So it finishes it finishes dryly. Yeah. Um, the carbonation is not uh, too high or too low, so it's enough to promote a lot of um, aromas uh, as I swallow it. But it's not it's not so carbonated that it's extra filling. Yeah, it's a super delicious, easy drinking beer that does have a decent amount of bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, lots of those uh, nice hop aromas from the Cascade hops. So that's that's my quick and dirty on it. Uh, Larry, what were you going to ask? Well, no, I just, you know, it's like oftentimes I'm drinking beer and, and we start off smelling it. And like, uh, mm-hmm. I would say occasionally I can pick up some very strong notes, but there's times when you're saying stuff and I'm like, I just, I mean, I smell something. I just don't know what it is. I'm just wondering, are there yeah. any kind of like things you can do at home? Are, are there things you can do at home that kind of, train your nose to pick up these things totally yeah i mean there. so an easy way to look at it is or a simple way to look at it is you can think of like let's see four four families of aromas to look for in any beer there are other aromas in some beers that are outside of that this this group of four families but you can think of things like kind of grain uh bready grains breads caramels that sort of that spectrum you know beer all beer is made from grain and malts and so every beer should smell like some form of bread like you can imagine walking through a bakery okay and look at you know imagine a a croissant imagine a uh a loaf of wheat bread imagine a baguette you know imagine a cinnamon raisin bun or something like that you smell these things in the beer as as you take a smell or as you take a sip 
Yeah. Uh, beyond that family, sort of the uh, uh, herb family. And so like lots of different herbs. Like the grasses, uh, grass. and Yeah, exactly. Grass and, uh, you know, parsley. Uh, rosemary is pretty common. Yeah. Mint. Mint is usually pretty common. Uh, maybe like, maybe cannabis fits in there. You know, pine trees fit in there a little bit too. So it's sort of the green, green plants uh, aromas. And then think of fruit aromas and then think of spice aromas. Okay. And not every beer is going to have all these, but those are sort of the four largest categories that you need to be, you need to get into. If you want to nerd out and you want a more uh, specific list and uh, process to go through on, um, on identifying descriptors for beer and identifying flavors in beer. um, I do have something that is called the deductive beer tasting method that Uh I've produced. That's on my website. So a little plug here, check out richhiggins.com slash DBTM. DBTM stands for the deductive beer tasting Perfect. method. And we'll tweet it. We'll and, tweet the uh, link. Yeah, plug away. If anyone has watched SOM on Netflix, a uh, fun documentary, it's S-O-M-M is how SOM is spelled. It's uh, all about uh, uh, wine folks uh, practicing, uh, studying for their master sommelier exam. And they go through um, they go through the deductive wine tasting method a million times in that, in that film. And uh, the dedu- deductive beer tasting method is similar. Oh, wow. Cool. Wow. Can I ask you a quick question just because you mentioned the SOM sure. exam? Which one's harder? I... Don't know. I haven't taken the master SOM. Exam. So I'm a certified sommelier. Okay. So I'm like level level two within the SOM world and okay. level four within the within the beer world. So the beer it, one's really hard. It would be dope. <laughs> it would be dope though if you had like if there was like this kit that I can order, and inside it had all these like spices and like well there's yeah I don't know I'm making shit up. Well, the kit, the kit well, you exists could just buy at the a well-stocked grocery store. You know, just walk through the produce yeah. aisle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, pack, package that shit. Make money off of it. Yeah, jack up the price, crank up the price, make a profit. I'm cussing. I've been drinking. That's what happened. Well, there's something called Le Nez du Vin, which is French for the nose of wine. So L-E, new word, N-E-Z, new word, D-U, new word, V-I-N, Le Nez du Vin. Yeah, so, Le Nez du Vin. Um, and it's this like set of like, uh, I don't know, 60 or 70 vials of really intense essential oils from a whole bunch of different, um, you know, different aromas of, you know, flowers and fruits and spices and things like that. Um, and that thing is super fun to play with. Um, we, we need to do one for beer, but, you know, we're saying this on the podcast so somebody else might... Give us our cut if y'all do this shit. Yeah, <laughs> please right. send our cut. Right. Send us our cut. PayPal, the well, liquid bread podcast liquid at gmail.com. Exactly. PayPal Honestly, is your cut. Everything is a fair cut, but there's definitely there's a, a lot of There's a lot of crossover between the beer and wine aroma. So <laughs> um, I think I think Nejuvan has already beat us beat us to the punch. But no, um, no, no, no. I think it's like they got it for wine. That's for wine. That's for van. We got it for yeah, beer. Yeah, we can market it for beer. Beer. Come on. Lene du beer. Hey, Larry, do me a favor. What's up? Plug your nose. Oh, Pinch your nose oh boy. and take a sip of the beer. I am. Okay, hold on. He's doing it. I can verify. Okay. He's Swallow the beer. <laughs> Doesn't seem yeah, easy. He, the glass he's using makes it. Keep your nose plugged. Keep your nose plugged. Okay. Swallow it and think about how bitter it is or how sweet it is, maybe how sour it might be. Okay, blah, blah, blah. And then breathe out through your nose. That is where all the aromas are. I, I Yeah. Yeah. No. All of a sudden, I, it smells like beer, right? No, I, I totally sense that. You're, you're, one, uh, you're 100% right. And I remember so when you when you walked me through that in New York, and you. But no, one hundred percent, Rich. I I totally get it. It's just I get frustrated sometimes when I'm drinking, and they're like, uh, "Give it a, when you when you're like," because I'm generally with you. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm drinking it and I'm getting that tutorial and you're like yeah. what do you smell and there's times like no actually I'll tell you what we I was just over here for a party at Maddie's and he had a he had a beer I forgot what it was Maddie but it was a dark beer 
it was very flavorful and I remember tasting it. I was like, oh, and I could I could really smell and taste the figs, the plum. I could really nice. taste that. And 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 we were talking to somebody and Sounds they Belgian. and they were saying something and then when I said fig, it like popped into her her mind. She's like, "Oh, that's exactly what it is." But I could taste it nice. so clearly. It's just sometimes, I guess, with different beers, it's just I can. I'm guessing that was better. a brewery. I, I think that might have been a brewery. Beer. I think it was might have one of their holiday yeah. beers too. Uh, but anyway, anyway, just sometimes, sometimes my nose picks it up, um, and then sometimes I just, I just, it, it just doesn't, you know. Well, yeah. So there, there are two different processes going on. One is just being able to think about how to organize the information. You know, it's like you get all these these uh, aromas, but it's hard to come up with names for them. So organizing it all and developing the vocabulary. The other thing is just being sensitive to the aromas in the first place. Yeah. And so if you smell smell through your nose the regular way, like a regular sniff and you know an inhalation, that you're only using like 20% of your olfactory neurons. So most of your olfactory neurons, which are the the nerves that that detect aroma, are located above your soft palate. So you have to swallow something and then ah. breathe out after you swallow. So that's where you get a much okay. louder impression, much more sensitive impression of that is, all these aromas. That is super nerdy and lovely. Yeah. I love it. It's on top. Nerdy and, and helpful. <laughs> no, and, and no, 100% helpful, Rich. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I will say, Rich, I think one thing you got me to do um, almost always that I do think has helped me taste beer a lot more is I, yeah. if I'm at home, I don't drink out of a bottle. Okay. I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with it, but I, I like to pour it. I, I almost always, if I'm alone, I'll pour it into a wine me glass. Me too. I pour it into a wine glass yeah. all the time. Just to get it like wide open for, yeah. you know, let those aromas sing, yeah. I guess is the main wine, reason too. Wine glasses are the perfect, perfect vessel for any beer. For kind of any wine. beer, right? Yeah. Wine glasses are great. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's been something that has reliably helped me to enjoy beer more and to distinguish between yeah. different yeah, beers. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Awesome. You know, I mean, that, Maddie, that's a great way to put it because beer should be enjoyed, you know? So the way you're talking about it, it's like you're talking about sort of technical stuff to like be able to smell more of it, but you're also talking about just the enjoyment, yep. you know? I just pour, I, time with I pour that beer in the wine glass, I pop in a few ice cubes and I just sit back and, <laughs> and enjoy there myself. Pop in a few ice <laughs> yep. cubes. So I, I guess then, uh, Rich, we do have two uh, listener questions for you that I'd like to run great. by you. Um, awesome. The people want to know. So the first one I'm going to ask you, this is from at Kid Clumpy. At Kid okay. Clumpy, K-I-D-K-L-U-M-P-Y. Uh, Kid Clumpy is asking, aside from alcohol content, what is the fundamental difference between a stout and an imperial stout? Great question. So the alcohol content is a symptom of the amount of, uh, of malt that was put into the beer in the first place, or okay. into the wort. So the more malt that you add, the higher your alcohol should be go okay you need to ferment the malt sugars to turn them into alcohol but um that malt drives a lot of the soul of the beer okay so you're going to get a lot more alcohol out of it the more malt that you add uh, but in the case of a stout uh whether it's a stout or an imperial stout a lot of the malt that you're adding is roasted malt mm -hmm. roasted malt is pretty intense in uh taste and aroma okay so it tastes bitter it tastes sour it's a little bit astringent even um, and it smells like roast and coffee and things like that. And so the more that's in there, the more a brewer might consider trying to balance that intensity. So the same way you like to add sugar to coffee or you add you know, milk to coffee or cream or something like that to coffee to, to balance out the, the intensity, the sourness, the astringency, and the roastiness from that coffee. Same thing a brewer is going to do. So an imperial stout has more alcohol, but because it has more of that roasted malt, it typically will have a little bit more sugar as well. So the sugar is 
is called residual sugar. So it's the sugar that is left over in the beer that gives it uh, some body and some richness as well as some sweetness to balance yeah. that that uh, dark malt. So you get more alcohol, you get more uh, maltiness, and you get a little bit more residual sugar. Because that sugar's there, it's nice to add more bitterness to balance the sugar so mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like you're drinking a bunch of maple syrup. So, so is, is yeah, it almost fair to say it's just a s overall stronger flavor? Yeah, is it's a bigger version of simplified? a stout. Okay. Yeah, it's it's oh, a bigger cool. version of a stout. That's actually I was so, actually wondering because awesome, I would have awesome. I would have uh, my I would have thought it was just mostly the alcohol content. That's cool. Well, the alcohol is um, a big a big part of it. Yeah, the, it's related the, the to the it. Yeah. It. yeah, that's great. And then uh, the other question is from at Joel tweets Joel, and uh, Joel asks, uh, since he's based in Montana, has Rich ever been up to Ooh. Regina, Saskatchewan, to try beers? We've got a pretty strong <laughs> craft scene up here. Honestly, I have. It's pronounced Regina. If you oh, is it Regina? It. Yeah, yeah, it's a Latin, at, Latin word Rich. for. I thought the answer was going to be gonna no. Say, he was going to say thought, Rich has never been there. I was, I was like, say, I, I told him been. I said, do not I underestimate believe, Rich Higgins. I can't believe Rich has been to Regina, Saskatchewan. I was like, no way. <laughs> he said he's All not right. going to. I was like, don't underestimate Rich. I'm telling you. <laughs> so I was there. Uh, gosh, this was 2003. Wow. Yeah, this was. Uh, oh, so uh, it's been going a while then. Oh, they've had a three. So yeah, they had a little bit of beer then. I'm sure they've got a much better scene now. Um, but I was moving out to San Francisco at the time from Minneapolis, and my wife and I decided to take the take the long way there. So we drove uh, the Trans Canadian Highway out there, um, and then dropped into the states back through um, uh, Glacier National Park in Montana. So um, yeah, we uh, we had a great great time in in, in Regina. It was a great stop for us. We spent the night there, and uh, definitely had some local beer. That's incredible. I can't say I remember too much about it, other mm -hmm. than that, I thought it was an awesome place and great to get out of the car after a long trip. <laughs> and so, do you know? I mean, it's, again, it's been so long. Do you know of any breweries in that area? That yeah, how you, far is it from Bozeman, to? too? Ooh, it's probably gosh, it's probably a twelve-hour drive from Bozeman. Oh it's, gosh, it's a okay. ways. So we can't get it. Deep yeah, I mean, Montana itself is the size of Germany. It's huge, yeah. And, yeah, similar similar speeds on the Audubon, though, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, getting up to, to Regina from there is, is even farther. But um, I don't... Largest or, is Montana third largest or fourth largest state? Third? Uh, Alaska's fourth. bigger and Texas No, fourth largest. Yeah. So fourth largest. So, Alaska, yeah, no, because Alaska, it's California, California, California yeah. Yeah. and Montana, so fourth largest. Yep, Sometimes exactly. I forget about Alaska. Fourth yeah. Cool. Don't um, forget about Alaska. I know. Right. I know. Wow. Fault. So, Rich, you have been. So, the answer was yes. You, in fact, have been to Regina, Saskatchewan, but it's been a while. So, you should probably make a trip up there sometime soon. It is true. I need to return to uh, to Regina and drink some beer. Maybe we so, will. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the, uh, the the question, the tweet, and I will. Um, yeah. I'll let you. I'll, I'll let. Joel tweets Joel no next time I'm up there. Awesome, uh, and yeah, and if and if you want if anyone has any questions for Rich, you can DM us on the the Twitter at Liquid Bread Pod, or you can email us at uh, Liquid Bread Podcast at gmail.com. That about wraps it up. Yeah. Also, if you have some questions for me or Maddie, oh, you you're welcome to send them too. If you want to ask we about may, sneakers, we may not give you good. We may not give you good answers. If you want to make an offer on some Travis Scott <laughs> yeah, Jordan sixes, yeah, or some might sixes be able to help or some you ones. They've been worn a or couple if you times. Wanna, if you want to date from Lisa, you know, Lisa, nah, we, Lisa's, Lisa's we, gone. We might retire. Lisa, Lisa's Lisa's Lisa might gone. be the great got, mistake Lisa's of the. <laughs> we, we, we've swiped left. Or She's a one-time right, yeah. guest star on Lisa, the uh, Liquid Lisa's Bread done. podcast. She's gone. Lisa's she's gone. Done. <laughs> um, it's just not meant to be, right? Yeah, she just. She's, yeah, she's done. Uh, great, awesome. So uh, yeah, so this last thing, Rich, do you have anything you want to plug or anything like that? Any tastings anywhere you're doing? Any classes you're teaching? And like, 
Afghanistan that uh, you want to plug? Yeah, thanks for uh, the opportunity. No, I don't have any um, any classes set up right now, but I do have online classes, and I've got the uh, deductive beer tasting method on uh, on my website. So I, I mentioned that in the episode, and uh, yeah, so head over to richhiggins.com, check out uh, my classes, check out so the online classes. I got trips to Belgium and Germany, and I got the deductive beer tasting methods. So, yeah, and, and so I will head on over. I will say the trip to Belgium with Rich is one of the best things I've ever done. I will say, and I say that I asked the thing about. If you're going to taste anywhere, because there was a point when Larry and I were emailing with Rich, and I forget even what we were emailing about. And Rich, you just kind of responded very casually. You're just like, "Oh, sorry, I've been busy. I was leading a beer tasting at the U.S. Embassy in Warsaw." <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Who, who casually drops that they were just leading a beer tasting in, at the U.S. Yeah, Embassy in Warsaw?" You're just like, "Oh, sorry, I was like taken in the way that I'd be like, oh, sorry, I was like with parents visiting town." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hilarious. You know, you're a busy do what man. You gotta do. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, okay, cool. Uh, so, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I hope you you now know a little bit about the difference between ales and lagers. Uh, that's all we got. Uh, we'll see you next time. Oh yeah, for I guess I'm supposed to say uh, subscribe to us. Uh, we, it's very fun to do this. We're gonna do a lot more episodes. So yeah. if you're whatever your podcast platform of choice, iTunes or Spotify or whatever, subscribe or follow. Rating helps a lot, especially if it's a positive rating. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate it. Till next time. Uh, this is uh, we got Rich Higgins, the master Cicerone. Uh, Larry Larry Bates, the, the Larry master, Bates, the master, master actor. Bates, master Bates. Master Bates. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm Maddie Smith. <laughs> Matt, Maddie Smith, the master master podcast <laughs> there we go we are doing a great job something um, like that thanks for listening everyone we'll see you next time cheers cheers